0: What is up, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Full Service Podcast. I am Tank Smith, your host. Today is episode 85. Thanks for being here. Shout out to my guest from last week, Audrey Marina. Audrey, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. That was so much fun. Listeners, if you have not yet, check out last week's episode. Make sure you are following Audrey. She is on Twitter, at oddities, you can find her on OnlyFans, onlyFans.com slash Audrey underscore. I have links to both of those in the show notes from last week. Hit them show notes, show her some love. As always, you can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, at full service pod. I am at Tank Funkadelic. If you enjoy the show, make sure you are subscribed. On whatever platform you're listening to us on, hit that plus button, that follow button. You'll be alerted as soon as those new episodes drop every single Tuesday. If you want to support the show, head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash fullservicepod. Each month, we have at least one Patreon-exclusive episode you can check out that you cannot hear anywhere else. This month, friend of the podcast, Atlanta-based companion, Sophia Soma. If you want to hear that, patreon.com slash full service pod. Ratings and reviews help so much for visibility for the show. So if you are listening to us on an iPhone, if you have Apple podcasts, hit us with a five star rating, write us a review. I will love you forever. And I'll read the review on the pod. It doesn't even have to be a good review. Hey, uh, I say that every time. I'm like, I just want to read something really. Uh, <laughs> Today, episode 85, I'm so excited. My guest is based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She works as a companion. She is a model. She is huge on OnlyFans. Her name, Paige Savage. We sat down on like Wednesday last week, so it's been like less than a week since we spoke. I feel like a lot of times, I feel like a lot of times when I do these intros, I'm like, it's hard to sum up a conversation because we talk about like so many different things. We talk about life in Minneapolis, you know, her experience like getting into sex work, starting companionship, her experience on OnlyFans, her experience as a woman of color in sex work, the labor that goes into sex work. She was featured in a Rolling Stone article last year. We talk about that. We talk about piracy. We talk about the, the idea of, you know, free porn. She tells probably one of the greatest stories that has ever been featured on the full service podcast. <laughs> Stand, we talk stand-up comedy and fucking being a human being. So much fun, Yo, Paige, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. So so great. <laughs> Listeners, you're gonna love this. I can guarantee that. You can find Paige on Twitter. At the main page, she is on Instagram at the dot page Only fans, you can find her pageburner.com. Her main website is the mainpage.com. I got links in the show notes to all of those. Click them links, show her some love, give her a follow. I'm gonna stop talking. I hope you enjoy my interview with Paige Savage. Thanks. <laughs> Welcome back, listeners. It's Tank Smith. I'm so excited for today's episode. My guest is based in Minneapolis. She is a Jane of all trades, a master of none, Paige Savage. Paige, thanks for being on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> well, I'm stoked. This is dope. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: it's going to be a good time.
0: Yeah. Listeners, I am currently in Atlanta. Paige, where are you joining us from?
1: Uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota.
0: Oh boy. How is like, I know the, you know, Derek Chauvin trial just ended yesterday. I guess they had the verdict yesterday.
1: Mm-hmm. How
0: is, well, how's it, what's the climate like in Minneapolis right now? What's, how is it?
1: I mean, we're in the middle of operation safety net, which is just, it's just the state troopers and the national guard are out. And then the governor actually had uh, state troopers from Nebraska and Ohio come up to help protect some buildings. But I mean, to be honest with you, it's been pretty peaceful even after Dante. Wright. I mean, after yeah. the first couple nights, I mean, it's been pretty low key. I, I mean, to be honest, I really think they can go, but I imagine they're going to be staying for a little while longer.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. Like, I mean, Minneapolis has just been a hotbed. I mean, like last summer, uh you know with the george Floyd mur- murder like you know the whole country was just like up in our like protests all over the country i imagine like minneapolis had to be like even more amplified than like everywhere anywhere else
1: yeah it was pretty intense i mean gosh that was yeah almost a year ago and i remember when it all came out like I just remember that night that he died, I'm pretty certain there was like a major thunderstorm at some point, either the night he died or the night after, but it just felt really eerie that night. That's all I remember is like the day it happened, it felt very, very eerie. And then it just was like a flashpoint and... I remember going out every single night, there were a group of us, um, black and brown women, freelance photojournalists, kind of a little side hustle of ours. And we were going out every night to document the protests because there's really no photojournalists that work for any of the major publications within Minneapolis-St. Paul who are black and brown women. Um, so we wanted to document it from you know our point of view and whatnot. And I will say it, it was a trip, um <laughs> that's the best way I can put it, <laughs> I have never before in my life seen police do what they did over the course of those of those few nights. And I mean, it's it's also super intriguing to see how everything kind of went down. And I think what kind of sealed the deal for me in terms of how important this work was, is I was on the I-35W bridge when that semi came
2: barreling through.
1: Um, oh god. Yeah, so like like that was when I realized okay like this work is important but like this work is also something you need to be like are you willing to risk your life for it? Um yeah. and I remember a bunch of us having that conversation and you know I think the resounding answer for all of us was yes because someone's got to do the work, right?
0: So. Yeah, someone has someone has to document it cuz like these mainstream, you know, media sources they only want to like Point the camera at a few things, but so many more things that are happening that they're not capturing And if nobody's capturing that then people don't hear about it that Essentially doesn't exist to the outside world except for the few people that were there And like, you know, if, if, if you're not capturing that then nobody else is
1: Right, it's also it's one of those things though where you're damned if you do damned if you don't right because We went out and we took these photos, but then when we stopped and thought okay Are we gonna publish these you don't want to because We've seen what happened to the activists in Ferguson. You know, some of them yeah. just disappeared or randomly died, and it's like, this is very, <laughs> this is very coincidental. So, you know, we're the all of us are just kind of sitting here with all these photos, and you know, we publish them for ourselves, and they're in our houses, but, you know, they'll probably never see the light of day.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's wild.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a crazy time. Crazy time.
1: Yes, crazy time to be alive.
0: I have never been to minneapolis if i'm if somebody's coming to Minneapolis what's the move what's uh what's something to do in Minneapolis
1: <laughs> I guess it just depends on what you want to do you know are you an indoorsy person are you an outdoorsy person are you adventurous are you someone who wants something a little bit more traditional I mean the cool thing about Minneapolis is it is very diverse it actually is although segregated very diverse um, <laughs> <laughs> like there's a ton of ethnic food to choose from, which I appreciate. Like I've actually tried more cuisine from different countries and, and ethnic regions than like any place else I've lived. And I, I dig that about Minneapolis. So if you're a foodie, that's really cool. I love the outdoors. There's so many lakes and there's nothing like being on the yachts in yes, like lake yachts in the summer, um, and just like tubing and jet skiing and just laying out like that's super dope. We do a lot of like lumberjack type things around this, you know, around these
0: lumberjack parks. type things.
1: Yeah, like axe throwing.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I dig that, um, but. There's also a lot of like adult arcades around here. Don't get that like confused with like adult, like sexy adult. Like more just you can drink beer, um, have a good time and be a kid again. But yeah, there's that the music scene though. Like a lot of people sleep on Minneapolis's music scene, and I'm always wondering why when you know the legend, the icon that is Prince is from Minneapolis. uh, RIP. Five years today, my man died. I saw Um, you tweet about it. I did I did. You know what's funny? A lot of people don't know this, but Prince was a Jehovah's Witness. And you know how they have to go like witness to people. I was like imagine living in Minneapolis during that time, like Prince Rogers Nelson like rolls up on you and is like you know, is Christ your Lord and Savior whatever it is they say <laughs> when they knock on your door. <laughs> like I'd be like, wait, you're prince. Like, what are you doing?
0: Be like, um, I will convert, but let me get an autograph. Yes. Let me get an autograph and then we can talk, you know?
1: Yes. But uh yeah, I mean there's a ton to do. The sports scene is pretty good. You know, the Vikings, that's a it's an emotional roller coaster of a relationship, uh, as it is with the Minnesota twins. I don't know anything about our soccer team besides they're called the united or the loons or something i can't remember okay but like, like we have good things the timberwolves are semi-decent even with mm, they're not decent but like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> i grew up i grew up with the hawks you know and okay. they they were terrible my entire childhood so i could i could vibe with a terrible basketball team
1: yeah so i mean there's a little bit of everything for everybody yeah, and I dig the speakeasies here. That's something else I've actually really, really come to enjoy—is just kind of the vibes. But Minneapolis is one of those places that it is what you make of it. Okay. Yeah.
0: So I know you guys—you guys have the Mall of America, right?
1: Unfortunately.
0: Unfortunately, I know that's exactly <laughs> what I was. going Unfortunately, you guys have the Mall of America. How is-, is it? Is it the best mall in America? That's my first question.
1: <sighs> To be honest, I'm starting to think like KOP may actually be the best mall in America. I Look, the Mall of America is cool. It is like as a kid, it was cool. As a, you know, as a young adult, it was cool. I used to purposefully get extended layovers so I could go to the mall nice.
2: um, <laughs>
1: from the airport because the, the blue line metro will take you from the airport to the Mall of America. But to be honest, it's I mean... I think it's like owned by Canadians and J.P. Morgan Chase now. So like, I'm like, really? how American is that? Like, the mall is owned by Canadians and the bank. Like, that just makes wow. sense. But I mean, it's just it's it's cool. Like, if you want something to do, go. And it, you know, if you come to Minneapolis, St. Paul, and you've never been, at least check it off the list. Yeah. As well. But it's it's cute.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I grew up, you know, like fucking Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks was huge, you know, when I was oh, a kid. Yes, D two, yes. the quack, the quack attack is back together, and then they do like a little skating montage
2: mm-hmm. through the
0: mall and like all over the city. And I was like, "Yeah, that's a sweet looking mall, you know i want to I want to blade through that."
1: <laughs> they actually, uh, there's a meme page. It's like Minneapolis or Minnesota memes, and for April Fool's Day they posted that the Mall of America was going to open up like a rollerblading course. (laughs) And like, I think everyone fell for it because it looks so legit. (laughs) And no one put two and two together. And I was super stoked. I was like, I will do this. And then, you know, they disappointed me and everyone else. But that's the Mall of America for you. Man,
0: (laughs) so many people just showed up to the mall with their rollerblades on. They're like, I haven't rollerbladed in years, but I'm ready. (laughs) Right man <laughs> i know so you got minneapolis you got st paul right there right next yep. door the twins yep. who would win in a fight minneapolis or st paul who Who you betting money on
1: okay so i like to compare minneapolis and st paul to like ivan drago and rocky okay minneapolis is ivan drago Just is. And St. Paul is the underdog. They're rocky. And (laughs) like, and Minneapolis, nine times out of 10, is going to beat St. Paul the hell up. But there's going to be that, you know, that one time every now and then where St. Paul is like, look, we're the capital. So you may be bigger, but we got the stuff. Like we got, we got it all. And even if you pull in like the cliques, i.e., the suburbs, Minneapolis is still going to be way bigger than St. Paul. But Yeah, I just I got to go with Minneapolis. And I mean, if we're talking about money and that may be backing people, I probably would still go with Minneapolis, even though we say you date Minneapolis and you marry St. Paul because St. Paul's got the money, supposedly. That makes sense.
0: Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, What's something you're passionate about? What do you like to do for fun?
1: Oh, gosh. I always hate this question because I feel like I sound so boring. Um it again, it's one of those things where it's seasonal. In the in the summers, I'm like a huge water like a water person. Like I want to be on the lake, I want to be near the water. I just that's what I dig, it's what I love. It keeps me calm and whatnot. Um I really really love reading. I absolutely absolutely enjoy ATVing and like going up to our our family's land. We have land in uh northern minnesota nice. um and just like being out there it's just i don't know what it is like being out in nature is just it's it's calming it's peaceful. yeah
0: it's calming it's, yeah, yeah
1: it's peaceful you feel realigned so i guess suffice to say like i'm very big about like environmentalism i'm not like super on the nose about it but i give a damn <laughs> which i think is a little bit more than most people yeah. um and, you know, in this in the winters, I loved to snowboard. Like, that's been my new thing. I, I was into it a lot as a teenager after that movie. What was it? Johnny Tsunami.
0: Johnny Tsunami.
1: <laughs> yes. Like the urchins. <laughs> um, and and I was like, I'm an urchin, y'all. Like, <laughs> and I got really into it. And then, you know, I moved away from the snow and stuff. And I really just got back into it in the last two years and whatnot. Got me a new board little new Burton board. And, you know, I think I'm not shit, but I was falling on my ass like the whole day, but that's fine.
0: It's all a process, you know,
1: it really is. It it is really all a process. But besides that, I mean, two or three things that really speak to my heart. I am big on um, just seeing the The uplifting of people of color. You know, I am a a multiracial woman of color. And while I want to see everybody um, succeed, I'm really, really big on seeing Black and Brown women, specifically Black and Indigenous women, um, you know, be elevated because those are two identities I hold. I am major, major, major on sex work decriminalization. That's something I'm very passionate about. Um, Just people recognizing this as labor like it is a job and then education i just think our education system needs a total revamp and i say this as someone who has been through it and someone who has taught in it i think we're doing a lot of kids a disservice these days and i just i have ideas but you know i'm not in a position of power so all i can do is make phone calls and
2: suggestions
0: yeah i mean education is so important because it's like the future, the future is these little kids now, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, if they're dumb, then it's over.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And it's unfortunate that, I mean, and I, I, I would say it depends on what region you're in, but where I taught for the most part, I, I think there has just been a huge communication breakdown between what parents expect versus what teachers can actually give yeah, Um, and like all the variables in between like budgets and and all that jazz. Um, I'm hoping the the Panini that we're in, um, the Panasonic, Panoramic, whatever you want to call it. I'm hoping that has shown, you know, parents like how valuable teachers are because these people need a raise. Like big time,
0: the fact that um, they don't pay teachers and they're like literally molding the minds of the kid like yes. the fact that teachers do not get paid well is it's, it's mind boggling travesty like it's yes,
1: I remember my first job after getting my master's it was a it was a teaching gig um and I was going between like them and, and another gig, and i I was having both of them negotiate you know against each other, so playing them off against each other and I remember the teaching gig came back with like, okay, we can match the other place, which was going to give you thirty six thousand, and I was like, thirty six thousand dollars, and I got a master's. You yeah. bitches are crazy, <laughs> like, and I mean, but at that time, like, you, that was the only way to get your foot in the door.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the amount of time you put in, like, outside of like just your regular school day, is like incredible. Like, it's it's. It's like you're working overtime and not being not being compensated for it.
1: Pretty much. That's why they do salary. These people know what they're doing. Yeah. So,
0: if you want to make that yeah. real money, you got to work at a private school.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but don't expect to have your loans paid back.
0: No. Yeah. <laughs> Man, Paige, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I mean, I'm excited for this. Yeah, of course. Fun, yeah. I'm too. <laughs> So you work in companionship, you know, mm-hmm. you are huge on OnlyFans. I always like to kind of start back at the beginning of like your sex work journey. Yeah. Can you remember your like first exposure to sex work at all?
1: Yeah, I was I was a youngin'. Oh my gosh. <laughs> when when you sent me the questions, I was going through them and I was like, oh my God, I haven't thought about some of these things in forever. Um So my first foray or exposure to it, honestly, was right before I started undergrad. I remember I was just fooling around on the internet and something popped up. It was like sugar babies. And then I was like, what is that? That's so interesting. So I started deep diving and then I found Seeking Arrangement. Okay. And probably like a month before I started undergrad, I actually got a message and we started talking you know speaking and corresponding and and all that jazz and he ended up sending me a few things here or there before i i got there um because he was where i went like he was located where i decided to go to go for undergrad and i remember probably two weeks into my first semester we finally decided to meet and we came up with a whole arrangement and whatnot and it was actually very good like because According to, you know, the, the old folks within the industry, or as I like to call them, the veterans, like this was when seeking arrangement was at its prime. Okay. Uh, so it wasn't difficult to get someone to actually, you know, not try to get the most for the least on there. Um, and that was kind of my first foray into it. And we saw each other for like my first year of undergrad. And after that, I was just, you know we outgrew one another. He wanted something more. I didn't want something more. And it just was best for us to go our separate ways. And that was my first foray into it. And then I took a long time off. I mean, a long time off. I didn't really come back for, gosh, probably six, seven years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it served its purpose at that time. And then I just kind of did
0: How was it, how was like your decision getting back into sex work? How was, how was that for you?
1: It was exciting and both nerve wracking. It just, it it was a very arduous process to determine if it was the best decision at the time. I mean, at the time I was uh, living in Texas, Uh, I was working a gig that, you know, before taxes was $36,000 a year and luckily Texas doesn't have state income tax so I had that going for me
2: what? but you know
1: yeah <laughs> but uh, I know there are days where I'm like I just should move back there <laughs> um, oh my
0: god yeah, sorry no to derail state. the conversation with this huge <laughs> bombshell you just dropped on the people of the podcast but I'm like what
1: oh you didn't know Texas doesn't have state income tax
0: I just know I had no idea
1: oh I thought everybody knew that yeah they don't they don't got it um so I, you know, I was just struggling. I was living paycheck to paycheck. I, you know, was starting to rack up credit card debt just to get by. And then I ended up meeting this guy on Tinder. And lo and behold, he and I started seeing each other. And we came to an arrangement of sorts. And around that same time, I was getting back involved in social media. And I met this this woman who actually was a companion at the time, she's now since retired, God, she's had to have been retired for at least like three or four years. And um, her and I were talking and she was like, you know, you would actually make a really good companion. And I was like, Psh, girl, bye. Like, <laughs> I like, am way too blunt. I'm just way, I'm just too many things. And, you know, at that time, I was also way heavier. I was like well over 350 pounds at that time. And I was like, no one's going to want to pay me for their time. And she was like, girl, like, you would be surprised. She was like, there are people who are attracted to all sorts of body types and all sorts of people. And she was like, I've never seen someone within quote unquote this. And I hate using this phrase, but it's what she said, like a high class BBW black escort. Um, And I hate the phrase high class. I just, it really, it bugs I don't know why it bugs me, but it just does. Um, and I was just like, okay, I guess. And so I thought about it. I thought about it. I talked to the guy that I was seeing at the time and he was like, sure, you should go for it. Like, if you want to give it a whirl, let's give it a whirl. And so, you know, I did. And that was my first, you know, foray into it after, you know, seven or so odd years. And now I've been in it, you know, off and on ever, ever since.
0: How was it? So like, you know, sugaring is definitely different for companionship. Mm-hmm. Was there any like hesitation like I guess like going pro at all? Like like there's it's 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 like two separate things. Like are you was there any hesitation, I guess, getting into companionship?
1: I mean, for me the transition was easy, right? Because I hadn't done sugaring in eons at that point. And even even though the person I was with at the time, even though we had come to an an arrangement of sorts. He was the first person, you know, in in such a long time that it it didn't really phase me. I think for me, what really was the most kind of like caution, like make sure you read this before proceeding was just this notion of what happens if I get outed you know, what happens to my job, what happens to my family, you know, all these different things or at the time, you know, and even now, like, I'm in a great place, because I don't have children. So I didn't have to worry about that. But, you know, I was still working within a field where doing something like this could completely ruin you. And, but at the same time, I was put in that position, because they weren't paying me. So yeah. <laughs> it just, it was like, it, for me, it was just a matter of, what happens to me if, if I get outed, what happens to my family? So that was kind of the big, like flashing sign over my head the whole time. Okay. Yeah.
0: Did you like, I guess have any, so you meet this, meet this lady. She's like, you know, you should be, you should work in companionship. Did you like know what that was? Did you have any preconceived idea of, I guess, of what companionship would be before getting in? Are you like, I'm going to get in, see what see what happens. Like, did you kind of know what was up before starting?
1: I kind of knew what was up before starting. Before doing anything, I am a Google fiend. <laughs> like, I, I will literally Google anything. And I will tell people, like, don't ask me. Like, Google it. <laughs>
2: like, Google, Google it. It's Google we got a, a resource. It. It's,
1: it helps. I'll be like, I don't know. And they're like, well, I don't know how to figure it. Google it. You got your phone in your hand, bro. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> like... I, for me, it just did a lot of research. That's something that was really important to me. It's interesting because I remember when I first, like, finally quote unquote debuted, a lot of people reached out to me, like, people that I'm still connected to now reached out to me and were like, I thought you were a grandma hooker. Like, that's literally what they said. Grand- because, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was like their funny way of being like, you've been in the game for a while. Okay. Um, okay. Because, I just came out very polished and very put together and whatnot. And it was because I'm just one of those people that if I'm going to do something, like I kind of want to just do it right the first time. But I slowly came to realize this line of work is not something you can quote unquote do right the first time. It takes a lot of like throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks.
0: Do you feel like this kind of goes along with what you just said, but like, do you yeah, do you feel like there was like a learning curve or like a waiver period to when you like weren't good at companionship?
1: I think there's a difference between being good at companionship and being good at all the other things that come with companionship. I think for the most part, I was good at the companionship portion i e. You know, spending time with the person, you know, engaging in conversation, being someone who's interesting and being someone who can be supportive while also being comfortable enough to be like, if they say something out, you know, at the side of their neck, being like, hey, you know, that's not appropriate. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> um, and being fun and all those things. Like, I think that is something I was good at in terms of like the marketing. And all of that, now that took time. And even now it's taking time because, you know, the the market constantly changes, you know, the pandemic threw everybody in for a whirlwind that we weren't expecting. And for me, in this instance, like as Paige Savage, I really didn't come back into companionship under this persona until November. Okay. So Paige is relatively... You know, th- that persona is new, although the person isn't, if that makes sense. yeah. And so because it's a new persona with new like new ad copy and and all this other stuff in a new brand, you know, you're I'm sitting here trying to figure out, OK, who does this appeal to? Who doesn't it appeal to? And that takes longer than six months to kind of figure out that usually takes about a year to figure out. So while my brand is, albeit edited, is human, <laughs> like th- that's literally my brand is just being a human being. Yeah. Um and in a real down to mars girl so to speak. But I think just generally for me it's it's not being bad at companionship, it's just being not as well versed and as um adept at some of the surrounding things that come with
0: that. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: How was your decision? Have you always showed shown your face in your ads on your website? As have you always been face out?
1: No. So when I first came into the work, I blurred my face super heavy. And as I got more comfortable with the work, the blur was still there. It just wasn't as heavy. And then, you know, I, I got outed under that that former persona. And just decided to scratch her after some time. It just wasn't, it wasn't working. And I didn't feel comfortable as her anymore after being outed. I tried it for like a year after that. And it just totally threw me for a loop. And I was paranoid all the time. Yeah. And so it took some time off. And when I decided to come back as as this persona's page, I said, you know, I'm gonna start with online sex work first because that just feels that feels more comfortable to me right now. Um, so I started, actually started modeling first, got published a couple times, and then I started OnlyFans. And for that, I was face out. So when I finally decided to sneak back into companionship, um, very quietly at first, I was sitting there thinking, okay, do I show my face? Do I not show my face? And then I was like, girl, like, it doesn't make sense. Just show the damn face. And on top of that, and I know we'll probably talk about this more later. I am a multiracial woman of color who is also plus size, BBW, curvy, fat, whatever, you know, words you want to use. Unfortunately, in this industry, when you are a woman of color and you are a bigger woman of color, showing face is something that is nine times out of 10 going to help you. Because a lot of dudes, and it's just the unfortunate truth, a lot of men will be like, eh, she's bigger. And if you don't show your face, they're going to assume you're also ugly.
0: Okay.
1: So it was one of those things of, you know, since I'm already showing it on OnlyFans, it doesn't make sense not to blur it. And on top of that, it's potentially could hinder my income.
0: So being face out, do you feel like if you were not, like if you weren't to show your face, do you feel like companionship would, would be harder for you?
1: I think it would be. I think it would be a little bit harder. You know, so <laughs> this is my way of saying we're getting into territory that I knew we were getting into. Um, so look, companionship is a microcosm of the world at large. It is. We. This is an industry where, in general, the consumers are going to prefer um, primarily women, primarily women who are white and thin, and conventionally attractive. And we have it's been discussed on Twitter all the time, like all the time. And I wish someone would finally just do some research on it, but I know doing research on sex workers can be very difficult. But just anecdotal evidence shows that a lot of women who fit within the white, thin, conventionally attractive cannot show their face and still do pretty well. Now, of course, there are always, you know, people who won't, but the, I guess what I'm trying to say is Yeah, the,
0: that makes, I I completely, that right. makes sense. Yeah. You know I what agree.
1: I'm saying? Like the, their ceiling of terms of making money and doing well is much higher. Um, there's a, there's an actual term that I was thinking of, but I just can't think of it. And if you're someone who doesn't fit within those potential, those potential boxes, uh, your opportunities are- a little less. And so it's just, it's just the name of the game. And so I do think that if I wasn't showing my face, it would be a bit bit more difficult. And, you know, thinking back to being under my former persona, when my former persona was, you know, 150 pounds heavier than I am now and didn't show face, it definitely was more difficult. And I had a lot of people reaching out of like, I, I i'm i interested in you because your personality but a you don't show face and b you're bigger and it's like oh i didn't know that those were factors but
2: okay
0: yeah just like hindrances within within people booking that's crazy
2: mm-hmm.
0: as a woman of color as a plus-size woman what has your experience been in sex work do you feel like you're treated any differently because of your size because of your race
1: so do I feel like I'm treated differently based off of my race and or my size? I mean, I'd be lying if I said no. Point blank period, the answer is yes, at times I am. And for me, because I know that's a factor, I guess I just try not to let it get to me anymore. When I first started companionship, under my old persona, she was a huge, huge, advocate activist like would call people out like would Hell call yeah. other yeah would call other companions out um i called a photographer out once for only posting thin white women and cuz that's all he had in his portfolio was thin white women and i was like what the fuck bro um and that that was just that persona and that was me at that time um i'm now almost 30 <laughs> Like I pick hey. and choose my, yeah, I pick and choose my battles a little bit more carefully these days. I, I've learned a lot about myself in this pandemic and I just, things that cost me my peace. I just tried to like, let it go, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yes, I know I'm treated differently, but I just, at this point I just try to grit my teeth and, and, and get through it. I think, When it comes to my colleagues, you know, let's be honest, I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter, but it happens at least every three months. Every three months, you know, sex workers of color call their white colleagues to the carpet and they say things are going to change and they start retweeting us and they start boosting us and whatnot. And that happens for like two weeks and then it dies off. And what a lot of these, you know, conventionally attractive, quote unquote, thin white, colleagues of ours don't understand is like, they fit kind of this this model of what a companion is supposed to look like. And because of that, it's easier for them to gain following, it's easier for them to to do things. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be easier, but the ability is much higher than it is for other people. And so when, when things just fall back into their normal pattern, like, that is when things get a little kind of they they start to sit in a way that just doesn't feel comfortable. But I make it known because I don't either. I don't interact with those people or I don't retweet those people or you know I, I keep it like I keep it cool. Like we follow each other on Twitter. That's cool. I like your shit. You might like mine, but it doesn't have to be more than that. Yeah. Um. In terms of being treated differently when it comes to clients, I mean. The people who reach out to see me want to see me. It's just that's just what it is. They don't yeah. argue about my rates, they don't argue about, you know, me being too big for whatever or being too dark for whatever. It is what it is. It's the people who make it well known that they have an issue and treat me differently in my personal opinion are probably broke and or are upset with themselves for being attracted to me yeah (laughs) that's the only like and look I know that sounds like ego I'm well aware that sounds like ego but look there are things you have to tell yourself to get through this industry and that's one of them and so like when people sit here and and like to say certain things like that is what it is. And, you know, for the clients who might be listening who are like, I've never seen a companion of color or I've never seen, you know, a plus size companion, you know, I always stop and ask them, like, what's holding you back? Is it genuinely that you're not attracted or is it that you feel like you shouldn't be? And regardless of which answer it is, you have to stop and ask yourself, why aren't I? What has informed that? decision in my mind that you know black women aren't as attractive or bigger women aren't as attractive or what have you um because nine times out of ten what you'll come to find out is what's informed that is experiences that actually have nothing to do with you yeah and have everything to do with the things that you've been seeing in the media and everywhere else
0: i mean like so much so much of like your opinions are formed from things that yeah like don't affect you are people's opinions around you or just like the outside world weighing on you but like if you don't take the time to like st- like think like why do I feel this way about this thing why haven't I done yeah. this thing like then you'll you'll never discover why you why you feel a certain way until you really like look at yourself and be right. like why do I feel this way about this thing or not feel a way this way about this thing like yeah you really have to do it like look at yourself everybody does
1: they they do. And I think a lot of us are just afraid to do that work. You know, like, even for me, I'm, I'm someone who sometimes goes, okay, like, I love women. I do. Like, I know, I know I'll probably never, you know, my life partner will probably never be a woman. But like, I think women are very attractive. But even I have to stop and go, okay, why when I go to a strip club, do I only prefer to have dancers who are women of color? What has informed that, you know? And I know what that, like, I know what that is. And so, you know, even though I may, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is I know what informs that. And I'm able to check that bias at the door and still like, enjoy the experience of someone else who may not necessarily be, you know, the, the initial you know thing that caught my eye. I hate using yeah. using the word thing because it makes it sound like a commodity, but you know, I just I'm well aware of that. And I think that's so important for us to to just kind of constantly check our biases at the door.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Do you feel like uh like women of color are fetishized within sex work more so than white women or like other races, I guess.
1: I mean, I think so. I think one, I think if you're a woman of color in general in this work, whether you're, you know someone who is of Asian descent or Hispanic or indigenous, black, I think we're all susceptible to being fetishized. And I think recently I don't know if it's been necessarily an influx in that behavior or if it's that we're just making each other more aware of that behavior happening, you know, like I've got, I've gotten the fair inquiry or two that's like, well, it's not a fair inquiry, but I've gotten a number of inquiries, fair number where it's like, you know, would you be willing to role play me being, you know, your master and you being my slave and, you know, it's from a white man or like. (laughs) I literally saw
0: somebody tweet that shit like yesterday. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) She's like, I am not going to be no fucking slave. Get the fuck out of here, dog.
1: And this is like, you know, I, one, not everyone's cool with that. Not everyone's game with that. And we have to recognize like, one, I'm not going to kink shame because there are people who are into that. Like, let's yeah. just keep it, let's keep it 100. Like, people love to talk about that, but, like, there are people who are into that, point blank, period. So, we're not king shaming I might have but, seen like, the video.
0: No, I'm just <laughs>
1: <laughs> But do you know that I stumbled, okay, side note, I was on FetLife, like, a couple months ago, just looking at it for, like, the okay. first time in years. And, like, there are places where they set up, like, legitimate, like, antebellum, like, sort of role-play things for, like, the weekend.
0: That's what the uh, the people that do Civil War reenactments, that's what they do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, well, you, you know, that was the whole... Have you seen Antebellum, the movie? No, no. Oh, you should. That's pretty much what we're talking about right now. Okay, but like, okay. But, like, I, that totally surprised me. I was like, holy shit, this is a real thing. Like, oh, my God. Like, so, and I just went on with my day. But, like, I think we're all fetishized. And I think some people just have the audacity or sometimes the caucasity to come at you with it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I say this as someone who is also a quarter Caucasian. Okay. I love vanilla people. I love my vanilla brothers and sisters. Like I do, but sometimes they just really be tripping. (laughs) But like, just we're all fetishized and it sucks. It really sucks. And unfortunately, I think particularly for women of color, for a lot of us, we're in a place of you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. You know, if you speak on it, if you try to bring awareness to it, you get, you might get some sort of clout, you know, for, for speaking, speaking your truth or whatever. But how many potential clients did you turn off in that process? And that is one of the one of the aspects of sex work that just constantly like boggles my mind and hurts, like, just, it just pisses me off. This notion of like, I can see my, can, you know, I can see my white colleagues do things like advocate for certain things and they get hundreds of followers and people subscribe to their only fans or they send them tips or whatever. And people still want to see them. But then like, when women of color do it, oftentimes we get even more shit in the process. Yeah. So, I mean,
0: I mean, privilege privilege is a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. We could talk about this forever.
1: We really could, but let's not turn off any more potential clients.
0: Hey there, people (laughs) listening to the podcast. Oh boy. I I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know this, but Paige is amazing on OnlyFans. She oh. is. I subscribed to your OnlyFans yesterday. I saw. And uh, <laughs> I got to do the research. Like I feel like everybody that I have on the podcast that has an OnlyFans are like I got to talk about that. I got to subscribe to the OnlyFans and see what's going on. You know, so right. I can we can have this conversation. Yeah. How, how do you like OnlyFans?
1: You know, I would prefer a platform that is my own, but that takes a lot of work. <laughs> Oh my yeah. God, it takes a lot of work. Um, so for the most part, I like it. I want them to give me my damn line breaks back. <laughs> so um, I don't know if you noticed this, but like on, on some of my posts, specifically like my longer ones, like my intro posts, everything is just like clumped together.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like in their latest update, they got rid of line breaks. And I was like, what are y'all doing? Damn. <laughs> so I everything just looks like a cluster. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I like it. I will say, before I decided to leave corporate, um, I left corporate America last year, towards the tail end of the last year. Like, OnlyFans legit got me out of some, like, not financial trouble, but just, like, it created a sense of financial security I had never had before. Hell yeah. So, in that instance, like, I do like it. But, I mean, there's pros and cons with anything.
0: Yeah. For sure. So, like, your opening video, you have a you have a video on your profile. I love this mm-hmm. video. I've, I've, I've subscribed to a lot of people's OnlyFans, but you have an opening video where you kind of, like, talk about, like, hey, this is what my OnlyFans is about. This is how OnlyFans works. This is how much, like, you're basically paying per post almost. You break it down like that, and, like, you're like, I'm a human being. Be a decent human being. Tip. <laughs> yes. It's like, if you watch this video, you will know whether or not you were gonna like your OnlyFans like from the jump. And I love that. Like,
1: yeah. I mean, it just seemed like the smartest thing to do because, you know, like I was getting all these questions and stuff, and I was just like, I'm I'm and it literally felt like escorting in the sense of like i'm answering the same questions over and over and over again that are on my website
2: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> um so i was just like let me put a video together and there's so many things like from the subscriber side they don't understand right like they just don't get like a lot of a lot of subscribers don't realize that we lose 20 percent off the top yeah. um and a lot of them don't understand when you really break only fans down you, I'm really only making 50% because I got to pay Uncle Sam. So, <laughs> it's just like it, it's so important for people to know this and I think for a lot of people what they also don't understand is like you know, something that I for that's big to me is look, if you can't afford everything, that's fine. I'm not expecting you to afford everything, but if you can slide your girl a $5 tip for the, you know, the 20 days of uh, 20 to probably what 25 days of awesome content you're getting every month. Like, do that. Just be a decent human being. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's why I, I made it. I, I just made it to try, try to ease my burden um, and help people understand it. Even if they decide not to stay with me, like, at least if you watch this video and go to someone else's page, you can be a decent subscriber there.
0: You're like just like cre- creating better OnlyFans customers.
1: That's my hope.
0: No, nah, yeah, for real. So, why do you yeah. why do you think you've been successful in OnlyFans?
1: I when people ask this question, even of like some people who really blew up, right? Like Savannah Solo. You remember? You know Savannah Solo.
0: <laughs> Currently, uh, subscribe to the yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So. Sh- When I think... When people ask me this question, I think of her because she kind of answered the same way. And that's like, I don't know. Like, I just started throwing shit on the wall and saw what stuck. Um, I think... So when I started my OnlyFans, I had maybe 2,000 followers on Twitter and I had about 6,000 on Instagram. Um, And it was July 2019... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I had 15 subscribers that first month. I think my first month I made like $300. <laughs> yeah. So, um, for me, it just, I think something that really helped me from the jump was I started out kind of small. Like, I started with, photo shoot pictures and I would sell like the topless photo shoot pictures, you
2: know? Okay, okay.
1: And then like I took my time with it. Like I didn't just jump right into like here's everything. Like I took my time with slowly revealing things at my comfort level. Um something else that I've noticed that's worked really well for me in terms of getting, you know, good traction on there is just being genuine and interacting. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to talk every single day, but like getting in there every day to answer your messages is really beneficial because the people who chat with you every day, as long as you keep responding, they're going to stay subscribed 90% of the time. Yeah. Like those are the people who are genuinely there because they, they like you, they're into you. Like they love the content. Like you could dip out for a week and just like, I'm sick. And they're like, okay, that's fine. I'll still be here. Um, so I think recognizing the people who are really down for you and, and giving that same energy back is really important. Um, of course, promo, that's something else that's really helped me is promo. I give myself, uh, $1,500 a month to, to promo. I don't always spend $1,500 a month, but like I set that aside. Okay. But yeah, I mean, those are just off the, like off the dome, Some things I'm thinking of. Something else that's really helped is working with well-known photographers from time to time.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Yeah, because if if we look at OnlyFans as a whole, you know, some people can make OnlyFans work with no social media. I've seen people do it. There are people who have done it and it's amazing. But they're spending a lot on advertising every month because they're using other people's OnlyFans to advertise.
2: Okay. Um,
1: but like for someone like me in this instance, uh, something that I found that's really important is just promoting social media as well, because typically the larger you amount like the larger following you amass, you know, you can, you can argue at least a roughly 5% of your following is going to end up going to your OnlyFans. So if you can keep gaining a following, you know, that number gets larger, your potential subscriber base gets larger. um, And even if like they subscribe and unsubscribe after a month, like you have the potential to get them back in the door. So yeah. um, Those are some things.
0: That was yeah. that was one thing I was going to say was like going from like Building building this brand, building a like a following on OnlyFans, how, like I, I assume it would be more challenging if you didn't have that social media following outside of OnlyFans.
1: Yeah, I think so. I definitely think so. The people who have done it without it, I'm just like, how? You are amazing. Like, yeah, just like you deserve everything that comes your way because that's awesome. But for me, that's just not possible. It, I mean, I don't think it would have been possible. Um, And I think just being upfront and honest, that's something else that I've also noticed is just being upfront and honest with my subscribers has really helped. Like I tell them straight up, I post Monday through Friday. If I miss a day during the week, I'll post something on the weekend. But like the weekends are usually my time because I'm a human being. (laughs) Like I need a break. Like I'll check my DMs twice a day. That I promise you. Like, I may not get to yours, or like, I may read it, I may forget to respond because I'm someone who will like mentally respond, but not physically type it out. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You're just working with uh, telepathy. (laughs) Right. Like, I tell people who text me all the time, like, if I don't respond, just call me because nine times out of 10, I answered you, but I just didn't. (laughs)
2: answer you <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do with
0: the, my uh group chat with my family yeah. like, <laughs> I replied uh you didn't yeah get oh, maybe I didn't like, reply
1: seriously my my family's group chat my mom was like where are you girl calm down I'll answer you when I'm ready to answer you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but uh yeah no I mean just being upfront and honest about you know what they can reasonably expect from you I think that's also really beneficial and the other thing because i saw someone this was in like your list of questions um spamming your followers is not necessarily the right thing to do um especially yeah like because you know like now the new thing is to if to follow back all of your expired subscribers like that's the new thing that is happening um and don't get me wrong like i've done it and then like whenever you come up with a new video you just send everybody the new video but something that a lot of people are doing is they're sending their expired subscribers like five pay-per-view videos a day
0: jesus fucking christ i don't get messages (laughs) i'm like yo i'm not subscribed to you anymore why do i get messages please stop (laughs) yes
1: so like the most i'll do is if i have like If it's expired subs, I might send them like a, Hey, like a come back message. Like I'll make like a flyer and I'll be like, Hey, come back for half off for this month. You know, whatever. Or like, if it's a really banger of a video, like I'm going to be honest, I got this new like fuck machine. I've never had one before (laughs) and I made like a video with it. And I was like, this is a banger. And like, I sent it out (laughs) to everybody, like even the expired subs. And like, sometimes
0: you got to share.
1: Right. And, you know, they, now I'm not going to lie. The expired subs got it at a bit of a premium because you're expired. Um, But, you know, a bunch of people who got that video ended up coming back through the door and resubscribing for a month. So you just got to toy around with it and see what the hell works for you because, you know, what works for somebody, you know, what works for someone else is not necessarily going to work for you. Yeah. It's just, that's just how it is.
0: Do you feel like, so, you know, OnlyFans, you can uh, refer people's profiles like on your page and you get like a percentage of their earnings. Yeah. How do you feel about referral profiles?
1: This is what I tell people. Like, if you want to do that, like have a free page and then have a have a VIP page. Because okay. something something that has allowed me to keep subscribers like literally one of the number one compliments I get on my pages. I'm so thankful you don't do all this spamming of other people's pages, or you don't do all this promoing of other people's pages on your page. Like, and it's true. Like they paid to see me. So they're going to see me. Like I, I, I know mass drops like those, like some people do like daily drops, you know, yeah. where it's like they promo someone new every day for the month. Like, That I, I mean, look, people gotta do what they gotta do, you know. But for me, I know what works for me. I can't do that. I think if I started to do that, I would lose a lot of people. Yeah. Um. But like on my free page, yeah, I'll do that all the time. It's a free page. Yeah. Pay anything to be here. Yeah. (laughs) So you're welcome. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like, I just exposed you to 12 other hotties. What you want me to do
0: about it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? You might like somebody. Mm-hmm. You're welcome.
1: Pretty much. I would like my finder's fee now, please.
2: Tick.
1: <laughs> and so, compensate for the
0: 20%. Yeah. <laughs> so you started on OnlyFans in 2019, right? Yeah. Do you see porn differently now after... Being on OnlyFans. You watch something and you're like, Oh, I know this. I I I like you understand better, you see it differently. Like, do you see porn any differently now than you did before you started?
1: So when I look at porn now, there are often times where I just catch myself giggling because I'm like, ooh, I know that was work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because like even though I'm a solo content creator for the most part, like I have very, very limited boy, girl content. I just feel for me, it's just not something I necessarily want to do all the time. I just don't. But like, even the solo content I've done, like when you have all those ring lights on you, you got a full face beat on you, you know, cause you've done like your makeup to the T, like you look like a filter. You don't need a filter. Yeah. Like, um, and you got, all this stuff on and you're having to get you know if you only have one camera like i use my iphone and i use my sony um but like you have to change the camera's angle so like you're you're diddling yourself for like <laughs> for like 5 minutes and you're like angle change 30 more seconds angle change <laughs> like it's just and like <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot and then you start like you might get a little sweaty and you just, you just like, by the end of it, like usually for me, I'm like, I'm going to like do two videos tonight. And by the end of the first one, I'm like, all right, I'm taking a shower. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm done with this. Um, It it just, yeah, it's just work. It's a lot of work and people don't also understand like the work that goes into it on the tail end. Like everybody's different in terms of how they run their content. Like, one of the things I have noticed is that the more professional your content starts looking, people are either going to subscribe more or they're, you're going to get a lot of people to fall off because a lot of people like that amateur look.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's why I've started doing some things on my iPhone again. Like I actually, excuse me, I did a video out in the middle of the damn woods in California and on my iPhone. And I got a bunch of people responding back who are like, Oh my God, this is like when you first started doing content. (laughs) And they're like, it's so awesome, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, I paid two thousand dollars for a camera and like extra money for all these lenses, and you prefer the iPhone? What? But it's just like, dudes, like dirty, yeah. I, like dirty mirror selfies do way better on Twitter than like your professional photos do. The so, mirror
0: selfie is a yeah, wonder.
1: <laughs> it is, Um, and so it's just it's a lot of work and it's tough, and then. On the back end of that, you know, you're editing the video, you're watermarking the video, you're like, you're compressing the video, depending on how intense you are about it, you might, you know, add a a digital watermark in a different place for different batches of videos that go out. I mean, it's intense. So,
0: yeah. Piracy is a thing that happens. It is. Uh, like you mentioned watermarking stuff. How do you feel about piracy?
1: Um, I hate it. <laughs> you know, back when I was a kid and I did like the LimeWire stuff, I didn't get it. But now that like I do my own content, I'm like, oh my God.
0: <laughs> See, hold on though. I feel like pirating movies from LimeWire, mm,
1: big motion pictures,
0: point. I don't really feel bad about that.
1: I but mean, yeah. You got a point. But what I'm saying is I get where they're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it sucks because it's like, yo, like one, one of the issues that I have with the piracy is like a lot of these people are like, porn is free, porn is free. You can get it anywhere online. And it's like, well, no, it's really not like those people. Like a lot of the porn clips that you see for free now, they're there to get you through the door. Yeah nine times out of ten. That's
0: literally the only reason they posted it, so that you could give them money, or like, be enticed to give them money in the future. Right,
1: right. I mean, it's, like, I have a verified account on Pornhub. I haven't put anything up there yet, but, like, I plan on putting clips up there to entice people to come through the door. So, yeah, you might get, like, a 50-second clip for free, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's free, so to speak, um, because there was labor that went into that. So, I think I I hate piracy, the whole notion of it. And I think a lot of people feel entitled to our content because A, they think porn is free and B, I think people just look down their nose on this industry and they just feel like they shouldn't have to pay for it. Um, But what they don't realize is like, not everyone is raking in the dough. Not everyone is pulling in half a million dollars a year on this stuff. You know,
0: the majority of people aren't.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's just like a lot of people. This is what pays their rent. This is what pays for the food on their table. Like I sometimes jokingly look at my dog when I start taking photos for OnlyFans and I'm like, mommy's doing this to get you biscuits. Like (laughs) One of my
0: good friends, she's like, I put biscuits in the dog's bowl
1: yes yes like that's that's my son to me you know the dog is the king of the house um he's by the way he smells like warm vanilla and blueberry pancakes i got him groomed today so he just smells scrumptious
0: okay Um, i'm glad you added the groom thing i was like what the (laughs) fuck are you feeding your dog (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah i got him groomed but um No, I just, it's ridiculous how many people just will take the content. And I really advocate for people to watermark their shit all the time. Like there are free apps that will do it and like get a, get a watermark, get a watermark design for you as well. Embed that in your videos. Um, If you're really a badass about it, talk to an attorney about getting that watermark, like trademarked and or copyrighted and whatnot. And like, you know if people fuck up like go after them oh yeah so that's just that's my two cents on the matter
0: fuck yeah do you feel like you've been able to you know bring people that first maybe saw you through OnlyFans or do online sex work maybe they found you on instagram and kind of convert them into in-person clients at all
2: yeah
1: definitely um Quite quite a few actually the the, the beautiful thing about OnlyVans is it allows I think it's a low risk way for people to kind of gauge who you are and your and to some extent your personality and whatnot. That's something I have really liked about it for potential clients is it's like okay, depending on the day it could be fifteen dollars or she might be running like a half off thing um, but it's a low risk way to get your foot in the door and you know start to talk to me, what have you so that has been nice. The, the difficult part about that though, is where people are located. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of people who end up signing for my stuff are like outside of Minnesota, actually. Um, So for me, it's a matter of like, okay, do I want to go to Houston? Do I want to go to these, do I want to go to these places? And sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no. Um, But yeah, it's been really beneficial in that way. And I will say for the people who have been on the fence about meeting me like nine times out of 10, like unless something really drastic <laughs> happens, um, that just kind of flips the switch for both of us. Like it, it, it ends up being really beneficial for both of us.
0: I feel like it is just like a good sample. Cause it's like, okay, I see this person, you know, I see their website, great yeah. website. You're like, oh my God, I'm interested. Ooh, let me subscribe to the OnlyFans and then you see then you you see the OnlyFans and you're like, "Well, the deal the the deal has been sealed. I have to book her." You know? Right.
1: I think for me when it comes to OnlyFans, like I think I have a dope personality and I think people see that. And I I think for the most part that shines through, although I have been kind of taking a step back from social media here recently. I think for the most part it shines through. And I think for people who are kind of on the fence about me physically, even though I think I am a walking, breathing goddess reincarnated, I think OnlyFans is kind of like a, okay, that's that's her. Like that's her without like the professional skin smoothing, all of that, like that is, she is who she portrays herself to be. And I think that's really beneficial for people who might be on the fence.
0: For sure, definitely. So, last year, I guess, yeah, 2020, Twenty twenty during the pandemic, you saw, like, so many people si- signing up to become OnlyFans creators, a lot of people signed up as, you know, customers on only- OnlyFans, and you saw the change from OnlyFans being, like, a relatively, like, unknown site or a smaller site to everyone's talking about OnlyFans. You have right. celebrities joining OnlyFans, like, I... Cash Me Outside Girl made like a million dollars the other day on OnlyFans like Jeez, on her first day. Yeah, I um you know, Rolling Stone did an article about Bella Thorne joining OnlyFans. You were featured in the Rolling Stone article. How did that how did that kind of come to fruition? What was the what was the effect on you being in the article on your OnlyFans, on your business as a whole?
1: To be honest with you, so the way I got into the Rolling Stones article was actually due to another sex worker. Um, so another content creator uh, was getting a lot of, um, they were getting a lot of press inquiries and getting asked to, to speak on a lot of things. And they had seen my tweet probably a couple of days before that, that was basically just saying like, a lot of black and brown creators, you know, help helped lead the way and we're getting a lot of flack during the only like when only fans became a big thing and and all this other stuff and now the people who are getting interviewed are predominantly white people you know like why aren't we interviewing like the ogs or the women of color like the people that is that are really going to be hindered by this you know by all these celebrities hitting the platform and whatnot and so i mean there were some other things i said but they saw that and they reached out to me and they're just like hey like like I've I've answered a few press inquiries, but I I would like to send some your way, and so they did, and I'm really thankful for that. I'm not entirely sure if it helped or not, because I haven't really done. I should have done something after it of like, how did you find me? You know, oh, okay. fans of like, did you find me via the Rolling Stones article or not? But to be honest, I think what it's mostly helped with is providing a sense of of realness of like okay like she's a real person right yeah for people who prefer who want to see me in person That that's why i have that whole tab on my website is you know like media appearances is because i think for people it's if you're worried about if i'm real now here's your proof i'm pretty damn real um but at the same time like it goes hand in hand to some extent with showing face which is something we didn't touch on is you know, there are, there's a segment of clientele who will never see me because I show my face, you know, what does that mean? Because I show my face, like it can, it can stop potentially even high profile clientele from wanting to see you. Right. Because I never even
0: thought about that.
1: Yeah. So there's pros, like when it comes to showing face, there's pros and cons. Right. And one of the cons is, you know, what if someone doesn't want to see you now because they're afraid someone might recognize you and now they know oh, what they're okay. out with you you know yeah um and so for me i think it's just the rolling stones article just to some extent helps with that okay she's a real person but at the same time it can also be like shit she's like a real person yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) you are a human being you know
0: yeah name of the episode um (laughs) there you go (laughs) I do love that I just the intro video is so good. People, if you <laughs> subscribe to the OnlyFans, if not just for the intro video. It's great. Um So hey, if you're uh listening to the podcast, subscribe to the Patreon. We got a question from Patreon member Nani. If you could change one thing about the sex work industry, what would it be?
2: Oh
1: God. <laughs> There's a few things, but one that's kind of top of mind is for some odd reason when it comes to this line of work people don't seem to understand boundaries i don't know what's been going on here recently in my particular experience but i've been having to tell a lot of people no (laughs) a lot here recently and they haven't been taking it well at all Really? yeah and it's led to some pretty alarming (laughs) emails and and stuff um, And I think that is something that just kind of, it worries me of like how, and I'm not going to say it's just men, right? Like, who knows who these people really are, but it's just a matter of like, there's been a lot of people here who just cannot take no as a point blank answer. It's like they feel entitled to my company or they feel entitled to being able to see me, you know, just because they think because, you know, they have X amount of they they're able to pay the, the fee that like they should be able to see me. And it's like, that's not always what it is. Like, sometimes I'm saying no, because this is also a benefit for you. Like, we would not get along. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. telling you, right? Like, go go spend your money on someone else who you will absolutely adore. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to like me. Because that's just me. Um, I'm in a very privileged position to where I can look at, look at a client overall and go, okay, this just isn't going to work. And for those people, I even make recommendations like you should try, you should try, you know, reaching out to and so like they'd be really great. I think they'd be really great for you um, and whatnot. But that's been something I wish I could change is just people having the respect to be like, OK, she said no or this isn't going to work or whatever. Like, cool, whatever. Um, and then the other aspect of it, I think, would just be overall decriminalization it's just, it's so needed. It's, it's time, you know, like I, the United States is just a country, like, don't get me wrong. Like.
0: Were you about to say, I love America. <laughs>
1: no, I wasn't about to say that. I was about to say, I'm proud to be an American.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that I no Guess... handlebar song. Like, God <laughs> damn. Um,
1: I, here's what I have to say. Like. America is one of those countries, like, I can talk shit about because I'm an American, but you can't, like, not you, Tank, but, like, other people. (laughs) It's kind of like your mom, right? I can talk shit about my mom, but you can't. Yeah, it's your Um, one
0: friend that you can shit on. But (laughs) if anybody else shits on your friend, you're like, we're gonna fucking fight right now.
1: Exactly. And when it comes to sex, I don't know what it is about this country we live in, but it's just so stunted in terms of, like, accepting it like this is like there's a show i think in the uk where like people like full-on are like nude and they like show it um it's it's just we have a very different relationship when it comes to bodies and sex and what have you and i wish we would stop looking at sex as like this this religious puritanical thing like it, it can be it can be special it can be it can be religious and all that stuff but it's also sometimes it's just intimacy sometimes it's just fun you know and i don't understand like in a country where we talk about like no big government like that's a big thing here you know like no big government and you know we have people yelling and screaming about a a, a damn mask about a piece of fabric like (laughs) you're gonna tell us what the hell like we can do in terms of sex like i just
0: truly incredible
1: excuse me with our time
0: when you really th- anything
1: between two consenting adults happens in that time you know whatever
0: yeah it's time people but yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's truly incredible like how just america treats sex in general and almost like just like even if you just look at like sex and violence and how we're just so like gung-ho like guns shoot them up like violence is cool but a titty. Oh boy. Get that the fuck out of here. It's right. It's like just shame around bodies and sexuality. It's, it's a wild thing.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Do you in companionship? Do you feel like you have an average clientele that books you?
1: I feel like I do depending on the region. (laughs) Like, like I, I have yet to have a white client in DC.
2: It just
1: hasn't, it hasn't happened. I mean, let me Actually, let me say this. It's happened once, but it was like a last minute thing. Okay. Like, it was very last minute and whatnot. But like every pre-booking has always been like someone who is either like African-American, Hispanic, um, or uh, of Middle Eastern descent. Like it, that's just D.C. for me. Philadelphia is predominantly Italian men and irishmen chicago's the same way predominantly irishmen and and hispanic men and then like minneapolis just because of the demographics here is predominantly white men and they're usually irish <laughs> like,
2: the irish so, they love you
1: the irish love me and this one italian gentleman that i i like absolutely adore <laughs> it's so corny but he was like um, there's no better pairing than like an Italian wine and chocolate. And I was like, sir. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then ironically, I was watching how to get away with murder the other day. And and there was a line like that in the show. And I was like, either he watches this show or like, this is what they tell people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and it, it's totally fine. Like that's usually my average clientele, but I think it's so interesting that it changes off of region. Yeah. Um, and something else that I've noticed is with this new persona, like as Paige, I will say Paige is me. She's edited, you know, but it's, it's for the most part, it's me. Um, and it's been really interesting just using like the headline, like reel down to Mars girl. If you know what that's from.
2: Oh, like. Outcast.
1: Yeah. I mean, how could you not, but like, I've noticed my age range has dropped down to probably, like, 28 um, okay. to, like, 45 versus under my old persona, it was definitely, like, 40 to 60. Okay. Um, don't get me wrong. Like, I have clients. I have a couple clients over 60. But, like, for the most part, like, it's the, the range has dropped down. My clientele is more, like, they fall more in line with, like, the type of people I'd hang out with anyway. Okay. Um, So that's something to be said about branding. Like if you can, I always tell people when it comes to branding, like if you can be as true to you, edit what you need to edit out for safety reasons and whatnot. But if you can be as true to you, like do it. Um, But if you choose not to be, if you choose to be like a totally different person, like know that you can stick to that and live up to that. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How long do you see yourself in sex work?
1: I have no clue. (laughs) I, you know, I've, I've seen people in this industry who are like 55 years old. Like they started in the industry when they were like 35 and they're 55. I, I don't know. I, you know, I have, I have a master's degree I can fall back on. I had a really good career in corporate. I can always fall back on, you know, I choose to keep up with my connections, You know, I own my own business now and I'm going to be able to flex that, you know, I guess we'll just see what happens. Um, But I'm in a a great place right now. I'm in a place where I, my income potential, that's the word I was looking, those are the two words I was looking for earlier, income potential. (laughs) My income potential is just much higher and I've been able to start paying off like student loan debt. Um, and credit card debt from back in the day like I just as long as I can do those things for sure Um, originally I said the minute I get out of credit card debt and student loan debt is the moment I'll step away Um, but if I'm still making what I'm making and if that increases like I may stay yeah so we'll see
0: This random question. Do you, uh, did you get in on the, you ride the Doge train? Are you, are you fucking with the Dogecoin?
1: The Dogecoin? Um, I don't have Dogecoin.
0: I should have done it. Um,
1: I mean, I can still get into it. I'm not that far behind. I got in yesterday
0: Uh, and I'm down like $75. So,
1: oh, well, there's that.
0: The market's Um, fucked up. It's, it's up and down right now. You know, I'll, I'll be back on top tomorrow.
1: Exactly. I got into XRP though xrp oh yeah you know xrp yeah should i get in um i don't know if anyone's selling it yet okay so xrp was is owned by this company called ripple and like i got into it when they were like 11 cents. nice so i got into xrp xrp at the time when i got into it was like 11 cents a share and i think now it's like a dollar dollar 25 Ooh, nice um yeah. And at one point it was seventy five, but they got, they're not necessarily kicked off of Coinbase and all these other places, but they're, they're in a big fight with the SEC. Um, and they're winning so far. So who knows, but I got in with them. I think they're going to do well. I think they're going to keep going. And all I'm going to say is like, if they get anywhere near Bitcoin, legitimately, I just may like, shut down my Twitter account and my Instagram (laughs) and like just chuck the deuces. Y'all can worry about me. Uh, (laughs) I'll just be living rent free in your mind.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I started reading descriptions of like different cryptos on Coinbase yesterday. And I was like, I don't think I understand what any of these things are. Right. This doesn't even make sense. How do you mind like just like even just mining Bitcoin? I'm like, how do you right. mind something that's not real? <laughs> right.
1: But the, the the part that just boggles my mind all the time, i um, not a client, but I met them when I was at the bar the other day with my little brother. My little brother came to help me move and to celebrate the, the final day of moving. I took my little brother out for drinks and we met this guy at the bar who was like, a construction worker who had just gone back from Montana and they were building like these air conditioned like servers for Bitcoin. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, he was like, it takes like 75 gallons of gas to handle one Bitcoin transaction.
0: Yeah. I saw some shit (sighs) the other day that was like the Bitcoin mining or some of the mining of these cryptos uses more energy than the entire country of Belgium.
1: Right. And I was like, what in the Sam Hill is going on?
0: I'm like, what? Is, I'm like, first off, Bitcoin—it's all not even a real thing. What do we? I mean, right. I mean, I need to just research it more. I feel like
1: <laughs> I know. I feel so out of it. All I know is someone was like, "Girl, invest in XRP," and I was like, "Okay."
0: <laughs> I'm about to get some right now if I can. <laughs> if you can,
1: yeah.
0: Where do you see yourself in like five years?
1: To be honest, I haven't sat down and done like my three-year, five-year goal stuff that I typically do every year, which is not a good thing. I feel like I do, I'm so much more productive when I do things like that. What I will say is I see myself out of like the credit card debt. I see myself out of student loan debt. Um, I just see myself in a really good place financially. Um... I see myself in a really good place um, mentally and emotionally and physically. Like for me, everything is about just overall health. If that makes sense. Um, I try not to get too caught up in like, Oh my God, like I'm this high class escort. And I'm like all these things. Like I just try not to get caught up into that. Like for me, I just want to be in a good place. You know, I, without revealing too much about my life, like, I come from two very different sides of the tracks. I had a family that was very well to do, you know, um, on one side and on the other side of my family, it was very much so like working poor and they worked their way up to, you know, being middle-class. Um, and I just remember living with my family that really had to, to work really hard going from being on food stamps to, you know being a family that could live comfortably without any financial concern and worry. And like, for me, that's kind of always in the back of my mind, if that makes sense. Um, Like that's just something that's really important for me is stability. Um, And like, I have a really good friend. She sometimes pokes fun at me because sometimes like even, or there are things that like, I sometimes won't open. Like a client got me a pair of Louis Vuittons once and I would not wear them. And he was like, why won't you wear them? Why won't you wear them? And I was like, because these are the, like, the most expensive pairs of shoes I own and I don't want to ruin them. And he was like, but the point is that you are supposed to scuff them up. And I was and like, you're like-
0: But they're not going to sell as well on Poshmark if I scuff them
1: up. <laughs> but, I, but that's not me. I'm not going yeah, to
0: sell them.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, but like it just, and it we. I had to sit down and explain to him like, The background I come from, despite having like, despite the Southern members of my family being very well-to-do and living in that, you know, three months out of the year, you know, every single year, what I was predominantly in was the, the grind and the grit and the tenacity of trying to get out of like this working poor situation. Um, And stability is just something that I appreciate. So all that to say, like, in five years, I just want to be in a place. I'm stable now, but I want to be even more stable then.
0: Fuck yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Are you a fan of stand-up comedy at all?
1: I am. I really like it. I haven't seen a stand-up comedian in person, though, since... Oh, my God. I think he's dead. Ralphie?
0: Oh, God. He was the first person I saw. Yeah. He was, uh... he was the <laughs> in college like they brought him in i went to nc state and they brought him in and uh he's so i mean one of the funniest dudes ever so funny
1: yeah he's super good i um me and a client went to see him when i lived in texas he was at excuse me he was at the addison comedy club
0: and maybe improv um,
1: improv yeah in addison texas and so good, so funny. He asked where all the veterans were in the audience, and like there were like ten of us. And he had them go get the bottle of Louis the Thirteenth. Oh shit! And he poured all of us a shot, and then he invited us all on the bus afterwards.
0: Damn. Um,
1: yeah, he was super, super, super fucking cool. So I really liked him. Um, I really like. What is this, Lavelle Crawford? Oh yeah, yeah. His whole like, I, yeah, love. His whole like, um, his the mom like, I'm gonna take you for a ride down by the lake.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was like, that was my mom. <laughs> his
0: mom telling him to like say verbatim what she said to the teacher oh, or some shit
1: yes I'm in the grocery like in the grocery store yeah. you know I'm, I'm gonna put your baby sister in the basket and, <laughs> and like two chops to the throat that's so funny like um of course i love eddie murphy i i'm on the fence about cat williams i like him and then i mean the pimp, I'm like, yeah. like, the pimp
0: chronicles like the pimp chronicles i feel chronicles. like for me goes yeah. down as like that was some of the best. So good,
1: so but, good. You
0: know, later personally, you know, he kind of yeah, you know,
1: yeah. John Leguizamo, Chris Rock, Tiffany Haddish, Monique, you know, Wanda Sykes. But I mean, I guess I'm gonna sound like every bandwagon person. Just like Dave Chappelle to me is like, I don't even know. Like he's just so amazing. so good. Yes, and like what I appreciate about Dave Chappelle is that. I had this conversation with a client. He's a he's a white client, and he asked me like a couple months ago, like, "What's it like to be you know a multiracial person in America?" Which was like a very <laughs> <question. What> the- <laughs> and we've been seeing each other for years, so like you know it wasn't like I I didn't get offended. It, we have these conversations, you know, because that's the type of relationship we have. We've we've gotten to a point where we can discuss really hard things, but I just remember we got on the topic of Dave Chappelle and like I said, something I appreciate about Dave Chappelle is I think he makes things digestible like for white people. Yeah. Like in a way that they can look at the world and themselves and not necessarily feel threatened, but also just like, holy shit, there is something wrong.
0: he <laughs> like just like, just like pretty much like not even like I'd say for white people, but also for everybody too. Cause it's like, yeah. he takes such high cerebral thoughts and just like breaks them down to were so simple, or just like such easily, yeah, digestible ideas, where you're like, oh my god, how the fuck did I like,
1: how did I not think of this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I really, I really dig him.
0: That uh, that eight forty six that he put out after the George oh. Floyd last year. Whoo, boy, that was some that was, fire.
1: That was that was really really good. Like all of his stuff is just. I he's someone like. Dear clients out there, if you can ever take me to a Dave Chappelle stand-up in person, email me. Bespoke. Bespoke travel engagement. <laughs>
2: Hell yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Hell yeah.
0: Before we get out of here, so you mentioned to me a story at the beginning of the podcast before we started recording. And I laughed pretty hard. And you didn't even tell me the story. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to share this story with the people?
1: Sure, I can share it with the people. Let me let me sit up, like sit up, sit up for this, because I'm like lean back in my chair,
0: Fat Joe style.
1: <sighs> okay. All right. So I had a client break his dick.
0: Lean, <laughs> lean with the heavy hitter. We already know what this story is about to be about.
1: Um, I can just see all the dudes listening, like grabbing their crotch, like, oh my God. Um, (laughs) Now, before we begin, I just want to be very, very clear that I am not responsible. This was not my fault. This was on him. Okay. So anywho, (sighs) great date. We went on a dinner date. Everything was going well. Amazing. Phenomenal. Um, And, you know, things are getting hot and heavy. (laughs) And at one point... (laughs) I don't know how like graphic I can get. <laughs> like,
0: this the people of the podcast, they like to hear everything, you know. So So
1: at one point he's got me now. Mind you, this is like and I adore him. I adore him so much. He's like five foot nine, very thin white guy. Like I jokingly like to say his waist is like the circumference of one of my ass cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> And he loves it. Like he loves it. And he's like, so he's, we're, we're in doggy and he's having a good time. I'm having a good time. I feel him pull out. And then he goes to like, you know, he's like, I just remember being like, stay still. He's got like my hair in one hand and hand on the shoulder. And then he goes to like, just ram it back in. And next thing I know, I feel something like hit the bottom of my pubic bone, oh, and God. all I hear is like, "Oh fuck!" And then I turn and look behind me, and like he looks like a man who is turning into a zombie and or a vampire. He's like <laughs> all convulsing and stuff. <laughs> like, oh, shit. And like I kind of had an idea already. Like I didn't, I didn't need Google or anything, but I had a good idea. And he's like, like crying and stuff. And I (laughs) like, I take the flashlight from my phone just to double check. And I'm like, oh my God, I now know why they use the eggplant emoji because that shit went from like zero to 100 real quick. And I was like, and mind you, he's giving me permission to share this story, but um, I'm going to give him a fake name. I was like, Todd, (laughs) because Todd. That's the name I use for like everyone.
2: Um,
1: I was like, Todd, we totally need to get you to the hospital. He's like, No, no, everything will be fine. I was like, Dude, you broke your dick. If we don't get you to the hospital and they don't treat this within 24 hours, you could have scar tissue. Your dick could be totally like pointing the wrong direction. You could never have kids. Like it's a big deal. And he's like, Okay, okay, okay. So it's like 1:30 in the morning, <laughs> and I drive him to the ER. I go and park and go into the ER knowing full well we're in the middle of the pandemic and they're probably not going to let me in. They don't. Um, But luckily he's single, single client. So he had that. (sighs) That would have, that would have been right. Yeah. Right. Um, And so lo and behold, the urologist comes in, they're like, yeah, dude, you have to have surgery. So he, that was at like, three o'clock in the morning when they told him that, he was in surgery by 5 a.m. out by 7.30 in the morning. What? I was great. Like, yeah. And, like, I Googled how they do that surgery. Gentlemen, don't Google it if you ain't ready for that. <laughs> <Wow>.
2: <laughs> it's pretty
1: intense. And, like, because I'm a nice person, I was like, look, holler if you need anything whatsoever. I'll come pick you up. I'll do that whole whatever. And so, like, I had someone come – take me like I got an Uber and I took like got their keys, took their car like back to their place and then like pick them up. And yeah, I just super nice that day, like got them back at home and, like and because they were too embarrassed to tell anybody and all that jazz and like got them set up, got them groceries and like got so good that, to go that's yeah. sweet that's sweet and he they were like bro you have a six-week recovery so he booked me <laughs> for like two weeks after his recovery is over <laughs> so i'll probably see him like next month or june
0: okay so this is still ongoing this is this is recent
1: like he's i think he's in the last week or two of his healing
0: okay because i was about to be like how's the dick now but I mean, We're gonna to I'm not gonna
1: it. lie. I asked him to send me a photo. It looks ten times better. So ten times better, and it shoots straight now. Before he had a little curve to the left, and now it's like straight.
0: <laughs> now people are getting ideas. Like, should we all be doing this? <laughs> I mean, if you have health insurance and you can afford it, why not fall? Take fall on so, it. You know?
1: Oh my god! But I, I just go. want to be very clear. This was not my fault. I stayed still, like I was told to do.
0: Yeah. This is doggy. How is that? How would it be? I mean, maybe if you're really backing it up hard, but this guy fucking pulled out and went fucking full throttle, bro.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think anyone else had that on their bingo card for 2021. So I officially win whatever there is to win.
0: Add that trophy to the shelf. Dick
2: breaker. That's wonderful.
1: (laughs) It was so funny because I asked him, I said, Todd, can I, can I tell my friends about this? And he's like, I don't give a shit. (laughs) <laughs> and so i told one of my friends and she took one of my photos and then put like mother or like mother of hearts slayer of penises was like action <laughs> over it and i was like oh my god i can't stand any of y'all
0: so. that's so funny <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> man Paige, i appreciate you coming on the podcast it's been so much fun
1: yeah i had a great time let me know if you ever want to do it again
0: fuck yeah fuck yeah where can the people find you on social media and only fans plug away so the people can do the thing for sure. For
1: sure. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at the dot main dot page. And that's page P A I G E on Twitter. I'm at the main page X O. And then for only fans, the best way to do it is pageburner.com i like a good play on words um so that's p-a-i-g-e burner.com and then uh for my website if you're interested in learning more or potentially meeting me it's themainpage.com
0: fuck yeah page i appreciate you coming on the podcast
1: thank you for having me seriously it it, this was fun this was a lot of fun
0: definitely fuck it no it was great
1: (laughs) yeah so, we if you ever need a co-host, let me know because I would love to like I don't know, I want to do a podcast, but I'm too afraid to do it. So you already have it. So just let me like Fuck you know, yeah. <laughs> we got coming <laughs> back. She's coming back, people. Hey. <laughs> um, but no, thank you so much for having me. I mean, it's it's I'm truly flattered, seriously. Fuck
0: yeah. No, hell yeah. Listeners, we will be back later. That was my interview with Paige Savage. Yo, shout out Paige. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. That was so much fun. Listener, she just plugged it. You can find her on Twitter at TheMainPageXO. On Instagram at The.Main.Page. You can find her on OnlyFans at PageBurner.com. And her website is TheMainPage.com. I'll have links to all of those in the show notes. Hit them show notes Click them links. Give her follow, show her some love. As always, you can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, at full service pod. I'm at Tank Funkadelic. If you enjoy the show, make sure you are subscribed. Hit that follow button. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that little maybe it's a little plus button. Maybe it's a heart button. And you will be alerted as soon as those new episodes drop every single Tuesday. If you want to support the show, Patreon is the best way to do that. Head on over to Patreon.com slash pod where you can hear episodes you cannot hear anywhere else. We have at least one monthly Patreon-exclusive episode. This month was friend of the podcast, Atlanta-based companion, Sophia Soma. If you want to hear that, Patreon.com slash pod ratings and reviews help so much for visibility for the show so if you were listening to us on an iphone hit us with a five-star rating on apple podcasts if you write us a review i will love you until my last days uh i really appreciate that and i will read it on the air it's a good time Uh, (laughs) this has been episode 85 i appreciate you being here we will be back next tuesday oh boy what's happening I'm feeling a solo episode coming on. It has been a while since I've taken the microphone by myself, so I'm feeling it's just going to be me next week, but then we'll be back with those interviews. So hey, stick around. It's going to be a good time. I got a lot of things I'm excited for coming up in the future, a lot of interviews that are happening. So uh, if you are here, we will be here as well. I have a link in the show notes as well to the GoFundMes for the victims of the Atlanta shootings. If you can donate, that would be so dope. If you cannot, I completely understand. But hey, it will be there. Click the links. Yo, that's it. Uh, (laughs) We're out. I hope, uh, hope everything's good wherever you're at. We will be back on Tuesday. I will see you then later. Full service.